Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast, brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I'm joined by Johnny Quinn, founder of Quinn Estate Agents. Johnny, you are very welcome to the podcast studio. Thanks, Sarah. Great to be here. Well, before we begin, I'm going to give a little background on Johnny and his company. So Quinn Estate Agents was founded in 2010 by Johnny initially as a specialist in the management of residential lettings. Johnny was later presented with an opportunity to take over an existing estate agency in Balna Hinch, which introduced property sales to the business. Since then, the company has literally gone from strength to strength. In November 2013, they opened a second branch in Downpatrick, and in February 2016, their third branch opened in Newry Street, Banbridge, with the hope that the company will continue to grow. They're already making plans to add additional offices to their branch network. So they currently employ 12 full-time members of staff and take great pride in the knowledge that many of their team benefit from years of experience and have formal qualifications in their field, including graduate and post-grad qualifications in housing studies. In each branch, they also have an independent financial advisor who's on hand to offer clients advice in relation to mortgages, trusts, pensions and financial protection. Their financial advisors are Richie and McLean Mortgage Solutions. So, Johnny, you have achieved so much for a relatively young man. Is that fair enough for me to say? I don't know about that, Sarah. <laughs> so you started this in, in 2010, but... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Oh, yeah. Well, look, you know, I'm from Balna Hinch. Um, I suppose everything about myself at the moment focuses around my family. I have three great kids. Um, they're, I suppose they're at the almost stage. So they're they're one, three and five, but almost three, four and six. So oh, my goodness. Birthdays are all coming up. So, busy. Uh, yeah, busy time and married to Caroline. And, uh, yeah, that's what we live and work for at the moment. So how did the business all begin? So yeah, you, you mentioned that it began in, in 2010, I suppose that's the official date, but started a wee bit before that. Um, you know, I've always had a, a sort of a need to want to work for myself. And I suppose that comes right back to the time where I would have worked with my granda in construction. Um, he had a very good business and I would have worked there every summer, every Saturday and, and really loved that that side of the the thing and so he had his own business he had his own business and uh, you know a, a really successful one and you know I, I loved working in that business and um, it was very hands-on very practical we would have been laying drains and and pipes in and around sites in Belfast and you know I it's amazing actually the experience that I got laying I that still translates into into being an estate agent today you know speaking with builders and knowing a wee bit about the of the, course the that, that's so side useful and Real actually knowing what you're looking for and what you don't yeah. want to see. <laughs> yeah, really, really useful. But I suppose back then, you know, as a as a young guy, um, I got used to earning money, which was which was a big thing. Mm. And you know, I don't mind saying I enjoyed that. I, I, you know, so education fee working was always a, a challenge in my mind. You know, do I <laughs> do I keep at the educational route or do I get stuck in and start earning money? But 
Um, you'll laugh at this, but I, I actually fell into DJing and became a wedding DJ. Did you? And uh, yeah, and I was able to put myself through university and so forth with the proceeds of that. Oh, good for you. And, uh, so it was well paid. It was well paid, I suppose, at the time. It was great to have that, that money in the bank and that pushed me on to the educational route. Um, it's fair to say I always got through um, GCSEs and A-levels by the skin of my teeth. I never I never really had the best results, but I always seemed to get enough... Enough to get to, by. ...to move on. And, you know, I couldn't really see the, the the benefit of education, but I knew once you had it, nobody could take it away. Mm. So I knew it was the right thing. You knew that, that those pieces of paper were important. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about that and the apprentice route now and many people are, my own daughter's just about to head off to university and you're sort of questioning, gosh, four years, all of that debt. Um, is there an easier way, a better way, maybe getting involved with a company and help they pay it for you or you work Absolutely. and you learn? Yeah, well, look, I looked for courses that led to direct employment. Um, you know, I wasn't going to go and do a degree in university in, in a general subject that mm-hmm. you could go so many directions. I, I looked for a degree that that was very much focused and would end up with a job at the end of the day. And, you know, that, that degree ended up being housing management. Um, it, it presented interests that I had developed through working with Magranda and so forth. And, uh, you know, as soon as I got there, it, it no longer seemed like education. It was something that I liked to do. I, I learned um, about the law si- side of housing, the construction side in more detail um, and social housing management standards was all part of the part of the course. And we were a very small class at, at McGee in, in Derry. And, uh, you know, some of the people that were in that class I'm still very close with today. Um, the professor at the time was a guy called Paddy Gray, who you would still hear on the news mm-hmm. and so forth, talking about all issues housing related. Mm-hmm. And it was a great, a great course, a great foundation, a great learning and, you know, I, I had no problem getting through that because I, I enjoyed it. And the social s- housing side of it, was that particularly interesting to you? Really interesting. Um, you know, the the course came with a, a one-year placement and I ended up in employment with a, a housing association in Belfast and very quickly um, was given a, a patch of houses to look after in, in that employment. And, you know, that was amazing because, you know, it was such a, a great learning um, you know, the, the education was one side of it, but, but actually being on the ground and getting to grips with the issues. I, I looked after a patch of housing in West Belfast, which is, for anyone, is a great learning curve. You dealt with very difficult situations, but also very rewarding. And when you say you looked after, so what, what sort of issues were you coming up against? What was the, the, daily, the day job? Well, the day job really was, uh, you know, was a housing officer, effectively, um, dealing with, with anything from antisocial behaviour to people who weren't paying their, their rents, people who wanted to move from one house to another property, um, neighbourhood issues. We were very, very involved with the local community up there in terms of um, increased infrastructure and, and facilities for the community. Um, so, you know, you were, you were dealing with, um, you know, all the public bodies and all the community organisations. And, and, you know, I, I've always been a people person Love to chat, and uh, we'll get on great. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so you know, for me, I I I knew it was I knew it was definitely a sector that I would enjoy. Um, was it very different to your own upbringing? Very different. I mean, I w- it's fair to say I was naive to a lot of the issues that that 
existed in Northern Ireland. I mean, I often tell the story as a housing officer, I, I attended two advice centres to give advice um, to people um, in, in one part of Belfast um, and then later that afternoon to people in another side of Belfast, right. um, both of which felt their communities were, were very hard done by. But when you actually read the issues on the book from the advice centre, um, both sides of the community had the same issues on the same day. Well, isn't that often the case? And yeah, and it was, yeah, it was, I, I, I grew up rural. You know, I didn't see the troubles, I suppose, mm-hmm. at all, really, from, from my perspective. But, yeah, getting, getting into Belfast and getting into the grips of the issues. So here's a question then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does home mean? Well, home's very different from house. Right. You know, because when you, you know, when you say you're going to buy or rent a house, you know, it's bricks and mortar, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A home is where the heart is. Yeah. Um, a home is a happy place. And it's, you know, it's definitely something that most of us are fortunate enough to have. But there's a few out there that don't have that home. And um, they may have a roof over their head. Um, but, yeah, the home's not always always present. So, yeah, that that's, that's a big issue. It's <laughs> a big issue. And I think it's becoming more of an issue, too, as we are uh, facing the cost of living crisis and, you know, what can you buy now and can you really own your home anymore? And is is renting going to be the way forward? Are there enough rental properties? It's a huge issue for people. And, you know, I, I feel, you know, I feel for people at the moment trying to access the private rented sector. Um, huge amount of policy changes when it comes to government that have uh, really meant that landlords have exited that sector. Um, you know, for and example, yet that used to be huge. Absolutely, and it you know it's it's hard for me as a professional to look at the reasons behind that legislation. Um, you know, like for example, one one of the big things at the moment would be, you know, landlords used to receive interest rate relief, um, sorry, tax relief on the interest of the mortgage, which they no longer do. So all of a sudden, they're being taxed. On, on income that effectively doesn't really exist because you know they've mm-hmm. they've paid the mortgage, mm-hmm. so most of our our landlords are are single property landlords, and when it starts to cost them money, you know they they sell that property on. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's a lack of supply, mm-hmm. and rents go up in that circumstance, and it becomes increasingly difficult. And you know, my social housing background um, allows me to have the knowledge that you know to know that. There's not enough houses, there's not enough social housing and there's no really possibility that they can meet the numbers in the near future. There's there's a severe lack of land. Um, so the private rented sector is needed. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. One of the questions that that I was expecting you to ask me was where where we're going to be, and you know, 
I could give you two versions of that answer and depending on when people listen to this, <laughs> they might think that guy knew what he was talking about or by the same token, they could say he knew nothing. He was wrong. He didn't know what was around the corner. Yeah, I don't think anybody can predict where, where we're going to be. I mean, there, there's an aspiration for home ownership in, in Northern Ireland and I think it would be very difficult to change that on the basis that banks would continue to keep lending. I mean, the reality is that most first-time buyers today can access a purchase with a 10-15% deposit um, and their mortgage pay- payments are relatively affordable, probably more affordable than private renting. Okay. Um, and I often say as a first-time buyer in the, in the, in the first time of your home ownership tenure, you're effectively renting it from the bank. Yeah. Um, it's not until you dig into the capital that that ownership becomes a, a possibility. Yeah, but it takes it a while to get there, doesn't it? It takes a while to get there. But is it still worth it? You would say yes, of course. But I do. Move on now then. What happened after the the social housing job? Then when did you think, do you know what? I'm going to become an estate agent. Oh, well, that's controversial because I always hated the idea of being an estate agent. Why? Um, just because of, you know, and again, naive looking back. But, you know, I, I had the same idea that, that the public have about estate agents, the, the reputational issue. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing I wanted to be was an estate agent. Um, so I decided that, but I did want to work for myself. And I was very well supported um, by the Housing Association in that they offered me a career break. Um, and I was able to go out on my own. So back then, the pre-bust, the economy was doing really well. Well, that's what I was trying to say, because you set up in 2010, but that wasn't a really good time to be becoming a well, state agent. Well, I actually, I actually went out on my own in, in 2007 um, during, oh. during the, the bust. Um, so pre that bust, a lot of my friends had been in construction and were doing really well for themselves and oh, started flying. to yeah, started to buy property. And all of a sudden I found myself managing those houses because I I thought I knew a bit about it at that time. Um, so, you know, I had around 50 properties that I managed from my bedroom. Wow. Um, and that became really successful, actually. I mean, to the point where I, I employed a call management um, company um, to take the calls that I was generating from the business um, whilst I was working for the Housing Association. That's incredible. So my mobile was forwarded to this this call management company who answered the phone Quinn Property Services at the time. And during my lunch break, I went out and basically booked my appointments for the evenings and, oh and weekends. But that became unsustainable. Mm. And the Housing Association, as I say, gave me a, a career break at the time. Did they call you into the office and say, <coughs> uh, got Yeah, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> So, uh, so I left, and you know, I I went into a couple of the local estate agents in in Balna Hinch, um, and I was looking for some property, and I stumbled across Fred Dalzell, who was an estate agent at the time, who's still a good friend, and he offered me a desk in his office because he didn't do rentals; he he only did sales, and he had seen a couple of my signs starting to appear, and he said, "Look, the two services complement each other." So that was a fantastic opportunity, um, but all of a sudden then mm-hmm. the bust came. And then everybody with all of those properties went, what the heck am I going to do? Yeah, and Fred made a, a decision to concentrate his business back into Lisburn. Um, so he decided he was going to close the Balna Hinch office. Um, I was there in limbo, um, but my business was was doing okay. It was still doing okay. Yeah, yep. so we, we kept on the office and um, done a deal with the landlord at the time and and, you know, over the, the coming 
months and maybe the next 12 months, some people were coming into the office and asking, did we offer a sales service? And we, we said no at that point. And there was a guy who worked for me at the time um, whose previous experience had all been sales. And he said, why are we turning this business, business away? away. Right. And I was like, well, I don't want to be an estate agent. <laughs> 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 so and I was very much focused on the property management side of it. But um, yeah, the right thing to do was to take it on. And, and Paul um, said, well, I'll look after sales. You look after rentals. And that's what we done. Um, but yeah, just so we formed a partnership, really. And um, it was good. Um, but Letting's business was very much my own and the sales business was a partnership and sales for a long time was up and down yeah so we we both struggled to get an income because the bottom just fell out of the market yeah, yeah. It, it did and you know so Paul decided it wasn't for him um and you know but I had seen enough by that stage to think well actually this is a good profession um, we can change this, we can work at it. I can go to counselling and I can accept that I'm now an estate agent. Exactly, and all of a sudden I became an estate agent. There you go. So, uh, so, so yeah. you didn't go back to the Housing Association? No, no, it was it was a three-year career break at the time. And yeah, it would have been a challenge to go back. It would have been a, a failure, I suppose. Yeah. So I was determined not to go back. Right. Um, and that was a, a good bit of motivation, actually, because, you know, there was a few people would have said to me when I left, you know, a, a cosy job, effectively, uh, uh, starting my career in social housing. Um, you know, what are you doing? Mm. It's, you know, the, the economy's struggling. Why are you giving up a paid yeah. job? Isn't Yeah. But I, d- I did have the comfort of, of st- at that point, I was still DJing. Okay. So I had the comfort of, of the income from that at the weekends. And it didn't take a lot for me to get what I needed you know, to to live at that time, there was no three kids, or no. no. You know, so it was it was fine. Still living with mom and dad, and right. yeah, so it was it was fine. So, so you s- you were spinning records, not plates, just exactly to, to keep a few pennies coming in. Yeah. Um, and and it's just getting that support to keep going. Then at that time too, yeah. I mean, I I never I never lacked that support or motivation. I I felt that there was light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, for me, I, you know, I, the, the most important thing about it was I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And as a new kid in town, you know, I had no baggage. There was no reputational issues that, that you would find with some estate agents. Um, you know, so I was getting a chance at the business. And people were coming to you and saying, I didn't like working with that fella or this one. And could you try for us? Uh, yes. And, the, the, you know, the biggest benefit that I think back at that time was people expected you to fail and didn't mind so much because it was a tough market. It was. Um, so any success was well rewarded. Um, you know, and if you failed to sell a property at that time, it was like, well, look, it's just the market. It's just the market. Exactly. Um, so, but you had to work really hard mm. um, to get to get this, the house sold. It wasn't a case of putting a board up, you know, you got a phone call, you arranged a view and house sold. I mean, it was far from that. You you literally, I remember, you know, I remember people coming from England um, to view properties in Northern Ireland and I, I picked them up at the airport in my Clio and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, took them around several properies and, you know, I was determined to get, get, the, get sale. the sale and it worked I did get the sale the and customer service was there customer service big big part of it and I suppose at that time maybe people coming from England the houses were uh, 
Well, it's such a great investment. They were getting so much for their money. So much for their money. And as you know, and we all know, um, we take Northern Ireland very much for granted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great place to live where I am, County Down. You know, you've got the moors and the beaches. and stunning. It's all, all on your doorstep. It's stunning. Yeah. And did you find that you were attracting customers from across the water? Absolutely. And, and still to this day, I mean, more so actually now because it's, it's a big thing. I mean, through the, the COVID pandemic, and um, people realised that they could work from home, um, yep. and you know to hop on a flight once a week to London or wherever is is relatively easy. So people are opting now for Northern Ireland as a market. And do you find that there are people who are originally from Northern Ireland but had been working away, or you'll, you'll have find people that chosen Northern Ireland and they've never had any connection. Mostly, they have a connection. You know, I, I find it's people that moved away as as eighteen yeah, to twenty year olds. Off to like Dick Whittington to London, yeah, yeah, and and coming back now with their with their family, yeah, um, and uh, so it's it's fantastic, you know, and uh, and yeah, some people are choosing Northern Ireland, having never experienced it before, um, just as a a great way of life, um, and you know, obviously the property prices are much more affordable here than they are in parts of England, particularly the south of England. Well, the house prices at the minute, and we're recording this in September 2022. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're... Give us give us the, the, the state of the market at the minute. It seems to be that, you know, they're, they're getting to those heady prices again that people aren't going to be able to afford. And are we heading towards another bust situation? Um, I think it's very different. Um, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to have experienced that bust and I do describe that as fortunate because that was great experience. You never um, want to be there again. No, but it was very different. I mean, you know, this is a made up statistic, but I don't think it's it's far from the truth. I would imagine that 90% of the properties that we have sold in recent times have been to homeowners. Um, big part of the market back then was investments. Right. And, you know, it was all interest only mortgages zero deposits. Um, so the, the concept of negative equity was real when, when, when the economy changed. I mean, mm-hmm. people you know, had bought properties at 240000 that very shortly after were worth 140, 150 and, and bigger gaps in some circumstances. Today, you know, people have put down a, a relatively good deposit. Um, they have a good affordable interest rate fixed for three or five years. Um, and they have purchased their home. And they want to live in their home. They want to live in it. And as I said earlier, um, home ownership in some circumstances is is much cheaper than renting. Um, so it's a monthly repayment that's important to, to a lot of people as opposed to what they've, they've paid for the property um, and whether they can continue to afford that. You know, unlike the private rented sector where a landlord could come and say, look, I'm going to sell this house. You and know, that's happening a lot at the minute. Happening a lot. So you have you have the security when you have home ownership. Um, and, you know, I think Northern Ireland is still very successful in terms of employment. You know, lots of good opportunities. Lots of companies seem to be coming to Northern Ireland and sort of job security Let's hope that continues, but at the moment it's a great place to be. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, tell us more then about the growth of Quinn Estate Agency because you really, you no longer just have one <laughs> business partner, you, you have grown quite considerably. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's all organic. Um, I don't know if this is a positive or a negative, but I, I'm very good at 
telling people I've done something prior to doing it and almost convincing myself that it's done and it's the right thing to do. Mm. And all of a sudden I end up doing it, if that makes any you sense. You talk yourself into it. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we, we started um, selling a few properties in and around Down Patrick and a few people said, you know, it'd be a great place to have an office. And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to open an office in Down Patrick, you know, and... Uh, all of a sudden, those people came back and said, "Have you opened your office in Down Patrick yet?" And I was like, "Oh, I better get on with that, you know." And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you know, we we opened it up. There was no strategy, there was no plan. I mean, again, looking at it, there was there was lots of competitors around the area. You know, if if you'd have made a strategy or a plan, you probably would have opened somewhere else. Um, Bambridge, similar. I mean, we we got. I, I remember. I mean, that, you know, some of my staff that would be listening to this will be putting their 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 hands over their their <laughs> eyes but we we got two properties in Bambridge that we off the back of of selling something in Dramara and they sold really quickly and I said we've, we've potentially got to look at Bambridge as a as a good place to be and you know I went for a walk up the high street and long story short I come home with a set of keys are you serious just like that just like that <laughs> and uh you know because I bumped into someone in Banbridge that I knew and they had a commercial property and so you had to come home and tell the wife that I, I've just got yeah guess what I don't <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah and in the following weeks we 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 developed that office and we we got people into it um, well, it sounds nice. It sounds nice that you've got that presence, that bricks and mortar presence as well on the on the high street. Well, I think that's important for people. I think you know, there's there's this rise of of online yes. estate agents. I mean, what you have to remember is, you know, house purchase and, and renting as well. It's 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 the biggest decisions that people make, and it is a difficult process. Um, and they uh, want to sit down and have a conversation. Look you in the eye and talk, and especially where there is problems and you know it's not an easy process to navigate through you know one of the things that always strikes me about about a state agency and it's 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 probably my next business idea to be honest um which i don't mind sharing as as a seller you employ a professional company to help you through the process um and that person the estate agent is there from day one to market the property guide you through the process right to the point where the property is completed. But as a buyer, you don't have anyone. Mm. And, you know, there, there Help is... Help me buy the right property. Help. Yeah, give give the right advice. Give the right advice. Is is this a good one to go for? Yeah. Really, I've never thought about this before. And, and the negotiation side of it, the negotiation is, is massive. I mean, we, we would have people, and again, let's use this p- podcast as, as an example just to... to to talk to people about what they do. I mean, we, we have people that will, for example, in, in recent days, I've had someone wanted to buy a property so much that they offered £20,000 above the asking price. Of course we said yes. Yeah, but... If I was representing that buyer... You'd say, what are you doing? What are you doing? You there was no need to do that, did you? What, what should they have done? Well, they, they, they should have looked into what the property was worth, um, what what the market was doing in the particular area mm. they they used their their previous experience of losing out on a property oh. as the motivation just to Panicked. get the job done but and then when it comes to reselling if the market is mm. going the other way so i think i think buyers need help um it's a it's a model that's used in america um where you know both the buyer and the seller are represented by professional agents right and you know, for me, I could offer a great, a great insight 
into into the process. For That's a brilliant anyone. idea. How do we get that uh, copyrighted and patented well, or whatever now? <laughs> you know, I'm doing exactly what I said. I'm talking about it and all of a sudden I, I have to make it happen because people will back. ask me about it. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to get you back in here in two months. Yeah, so right. I like I like that idea. I like well, the you, you just offer it through what you're doing at the minute, though, as another service well, or not? Th- there would ha- there would be a, a, a conflict there, I suppose, in terms of, you know, ah. you're representing a, a buyer or, or a seller. <gasps> you can't represent both. So I think... I think for me, it's a separate, it's a separate business, and you know, w- for us, we only have so many properties for sale. I mean, what I think, you know, wh- where there's the potential for the business to be successful would be, you know, helping, helping sellers buy all across Northern Ireland, dealing with all the estate agents and going in and and sort of representing that seller. Brilliant idea, brilliant mm. idea. I mean, you also have the independent financial advice side of your business as well, and that is called Richie and McLean Mortgage Solutions. Yeah, so um, Donan and Laura, um, again, a very successful business within their own right. Um, and Laura was, you know, was known to me um, in Balnehinch as a as a close friend, and you know, my my best friend and Laura are cousins and so forth. And she she got into financial services. And, you know, I brought her on board in, in our office and she has since went out on her own and, and sort of worked at being present in our office. And, you know, for me, it's again going back to that customer service, having services under one roof, making life as easy for people as possible. And, you know, but at the same time, giving them no option to go elsewhere because what they offer is fantastic. You know, there's, the, you know, people will, should always test the market and should always have a look at what else is out there. But when when they hear what we offer, generally we, we get the job done. Really. Well, what makes your company stand out from the competitors, do you think? Well, a big thing for me, I suppose, you know, as a business owner, you always have to believe you're, you're a step above the rest. Um, I firmly do. <laughs> Good. So, uh, I like that confidence. Well, you know. Because in Northern Ireland, we're not very good at saying that about ourselves. And that's a problem. Yeah. You know, I think we we need to be striving for success. Um, we need to always be the best we can be. Um, for me, you know, I choose to be a regulated estate agent. So it might come as a, su- a surprise to some of the listeners. Um, there is no regulation in the estate agency at the moment. Oh. Um, so... You, you could set up as a state agency in the morning if you chose. Right. Um, so the biggest transaction that we deal with um, and, you know, financial services are regulated. Solicitors, the law society regulates solicitors, but estate agents have no regulation whatsoever. So I choose to be regulated um, through the National Association of Estate Agents or the, the Association of Registered Letting Agents in, in the letting side. And what that does, we, we subscribe to a code of practice um, we're a member of a redress scheme, so a property ombudsman scheme, whereas if people aren't satisfied with what has happened, they, they have recourse. Mm-hmm. We have client money protection. We have professional indemnity insurance. Our, our staff have to be of a certain qualification. And, and this is all voluntary. So Gosh. We, we choose to do that. To, and You were actually appointed the Northern Ireland Regional Representative for the ARLA. Is that what did say ARLA or ARLA? ARLA. Sort of under the umbrella now of property mark. Uh-huh. So as Association of Estate Agents and ARLA were previously lettings and sales professional bodies, mm-hmm. um, but now working very much under the body of, of property mark, um, which is a, a mark of professionalism, really. And uh, it would surprise you how few um, agents in Northern Ireland are regulated. And for the customers, is that really, do they 
do they listen to that? Do they see that? And do they say they're definitely the ones to go with? It's something we try to put in their face. We we try to, to show people what the difference between a, a regulated agent and a... So, for example, um, and again, this might come as a surprise, but if you're a letting agent that put my rental head on and I go out and I, I meet a new potential landlord, um, my duty is to explain to that landlord what their obligations are, um, particularly in relation to safety, electrical condition reports, so all good things that will will obviously be beneficial to a tenant. Um, there is actually no obligation on a letting agent to do that. Generally, most will say, yeah, I'll get you 700 quid for your house per month and you know I'll charge you 500 quid and that's the end of the journey. Here's the keys. The obligation is always with the landlord. Um, but as a professional letting agent, we make sure that our landlords know what what they need to do. And in fact, we turn business away if they're not prepared to do it. Right. Very um, good. The difficulty with the private rented sector is people don't know what they don't know. So there's so much um, legislation in the background. And it's like insurance, you know, you only need it when you need it. That's it. And then you want it done quickly and oh gosh, but yeah. actually, yes, when it goes wrong, what do I do? What do I do? And it can, you and know, things are going wrong and we are hearing things going wrong, people losing out. So oh, yeah. just to know, does that cost the customer more though to have that accreditation or that regulation? Um, we, we have a fee based on the service we offer and it's fair to say that there will be cheaper alternatives out there. Um you know, when, when someone phones you up and says, how much do you charge, um, as opposed to what do you do, mm-hmm. that's always a problem. That, that The perception is that the estate agents, letting agents are all the same. They put a board up, put it in a window, it's on property pal, property news. What are they doing anyway? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so they're comparing that in their minds. But actually, you know, what do you do? Well, the list can be short or long. Mm-hmm. But the protection that you provide is incredible. Incredible. Right, that is fabulous. Um, you also have your own repairs and maintenance services. Yes, so out of necessity, really. Right. So back back in in the day when when maybe the construction end of things wasn't as busy as what it is today, and you know we we used to use a lot of subcontractors, and you phone them up, you give them a job, they went and they. They done it. Did yeah, yeah. I know. Remember those days. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but today we we like everyone else struggle if we need someone to do something, particularly if it's a small job. Yeah, it's so hard. To so get hard. Someone. So a few years ago, we decided to bring that in house, and we have fantastic people now that that do that, and only for our landlords. And um, so, if uh, for example, you know, a, a steel goes around a shower. You know, I can have someone there the next day. Instead of the landlord having to go and source someone. Absolutely. And it's it's a, you know, it, it's usually done at a cheaper price as well because, as I say, it's it's in-house and, you know, there's no call-out fees or anything like that. We, we, we simply just want that cost to be covered. It's an additional service to landlords. Um, but, as I say, very much born out of necessity. We mm. needed to do it because, you know, we had tenants on the phone saying such and such is wrong and we, we would have sent that out to a subcontractor Three weeks later, tenants back on the phone. Unhappy. Yeah. So we, you know, again, the fundamental of this is customer service, and so whenever I see a weakness in the business, you create we, a we business. Ha- we have to fix it. You add to the business. You mm-hmm. also offer a unique service and on-site 
storage container. Tell us about that. <laughs> so again, that was one of those things I started to talk about, and all of a sudden it happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so, uh, so we 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 purchased our our office in Balnehinch in recent times, and uh, out the back there was a derelict building, um, which was obvious that it could be turned into an apartment. Um, my neighbour, my commercial neighbour at the time, had a shipping container that he stored stuff in, which was in the way, and he had said he was thinking of getting rid of that, and I was like, well, maybe we could use that. So we, we popped it into place and built around it and so forth, and then we obviously constructed the apartment. And in and around that time, uh, coincidentally or not, we, we had a few fall-throughs, a few sales that fell through because um, the people were in a chain. Yeah. And... They couldn't they actually to find stuff. something yeah, yeah. to to buy, so their their property was maybe still agreed, mm-hmm. um, but they couldn't actually find anything to buy themselves. I've been in that position myself, yeah. Yeah, and you know, so their choice was to pull the plug and stay put. Oh. Um, so obviously that was another weakness there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and short term rentals again, you know, really hen's teeth. And uh, so we decided, and even if you do go into short-term rental, getting your, you know, your services in place, your broadband, all of that takes time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not worth doing if you're only going to be there for a short period of time. So we had this apartment, which was looking well, and we had the the, the shipping container. And I said, well, here's the idea. Here's the solution. So we, we offer that to people on a weekly basis. So they stay in the apartment, they put all the stuff in the shipping container. Yeah, and there's no contract as such, oh. you know, in that they can stay there for as long as they want. If it's three, four weeks, fantastic. And if they find something in the meantime, off they go. So but it gives them that breathing space. gives them the breathing space and the shipping container can actually be lifted and taken to their property and loaded up. Oh, for goodness sake, that's brought brilliant. Back. Eureka. So I think you could sort the protocol, maybe anything else, anything so else that we could... So politics I stay out of. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you're pretty good at these solutions. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, well, what would you say then has been the biggest challenge for you or challenges and how have you overcome them? Oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, the, the biggest challenge, I suppose, that I have... I have had is letting go myself and mm-hmm. um, taking myself um, out of the equation and letting my team get on with things. Uh, very much the business grew organically with me. A lot of the stuff was in my head. And you know, and you I needed to do it all. I needed to yes. do it all. So letting go, you know, opening these offices, particularly as spontaneously as I did, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, you need people. And you need the right people and you need to have the faith and the, the trust. trust. And bye-bye, I don't need to be micromanaging or hovering. Absolutely. And people get on with things better if they if they are left to do their job. So I often tell my team that the Quinn brand above, above the door is potentially what brings people to us. But they're not buying from me or selling from me. They're buying from you if you're, if you're the person that they're dealing with. So they work under a brand, um, but if, if you're the... Pr- people buy from people. Do you think you put them under a lot of pressure? <laughs> uh, no. Um, <laughs> again, I dread to think what they're thinking when they're <laughs> listening to this, but um, no, I I, uh, I believe that the, the right person in the right job is someone who loves doing it, yeah. and I think I've got those people. I mean, a state agency is great. It's a great trade 
to be in. It's like every job it has its ups and its downs, and when there's difficult situations, you know, it's 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 hard to deal with. But the vast majority of it is, you know, you're viewing lovely properties, you're showing people around, you're communicating them with them day in day out, um, and you're eventually getting them into the property of their dreams, really, that where they want to be. So it's a great it's a great thing to work in. That is really rewarding. But also, how do you feel now that you have stepped back a bit and, and done other things and let people get on with it? Has that allowed you to grow? Yeah, and that's the only way you can grow. I mean, my my role now is to work on the business as as opposed to in it. What's next then, apart from the buyer's idea? Oh, well, I mean, we, we're going to expand on that. Um, but also... In terms of temporary accommodation, we've got the facility to do that in our Banbridge branch now as well. Brilliant. So that's currently under construction. Um, I definitely want another branch. Um, you know, I have I have an aspiration of being the agent who sells the most houses or rents the most houses in Northern Ireland. I don't necessarily have an aspiration of being the biggest estate agent. I think that's two different things. Right. Um, you know, big suggests that that's multiple branch, multiple staff, you know. But just because you have a thousand properties in the market doesn't mean that you can sell a thousand properties. I, I, I would rather give that quality service and be the agent selling the most houses as opposed to the agent listing the most houses. So that's your aspiration? That's mm. where you're heading? Yeah, I think so. I, I, where I, are you, do you think, at the minute? In oh, terms far, of far from there. I mean, I, I cover County Down well. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have Balnehinch, Downpatrick and and Banbridge. Um, so County Down is definitely... Is Johnny is, Quinn territory. Well, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for those signs. I, you know, I do get on quite well with some of my competitors and I'm sure they're going to be... <laughs> They're going to be texting me about that, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do, I do have aspiration of going outside of County Down, um, and yeah, making, making it, making it happen. Really, watch this space, folks. Um, we're nearing the end now, Johnny. Uh, I don't know whether you're glad to hear that or not. I'm fascinated by <laughs> everything that you've been talking to me about. It has definitely been uh, extremely interesting and eye-opening. But the purpose of this podcast, as everyone knows, is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as yours. What advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? So the first bit of advice is park the fear and just do it. You know, because, like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, it's, uh, you know, you invest your time and your effort into it and you grow it. Um, yeah, I think... And fear is debilitating. Absolutely. And fear, what is fear? It's fear of fear. It's fear of failure. Right. And I don't think it's wrong to fail. I think some of my biggest learning things along the way have been as a result of failure. I mean, when you're working for yourself, failure means money. You know, it, it, some, some idea that loss. you've invested, loss. And, you know, you don't do that very often when it's your own mm. money. So if you, you know, you learn from your mistakes quite quickly. But I'm also a great believer, you know, I, I you know, I do enjoy some of the, the business books. Um there's a great book called Your Oxygen Mass First, um, by Kevin Lawrence. And, you know, if you're on a plane 
and you're gonna crash. The the oxygen mask will drop, and the 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 air attendant at the start will say, "Please fit your oxygen mask first before you help others." And the reason for that is because if you starve yourself of oxygen, you're no good to others. So in business, you've got to look after yourself, be where you want to be, and then move it on to, to help others. And then help others. Yeah. When you look in the mirror now, oh can dear. you stand there and say, hi, I'm Johnny Quinn, I'm an estate agent? Um, one of my biggest you know, aspirations, and, and we're far from this, is that a kid would go home from school and say to their mum and dad they want to be an estate agent. And their mum and dad would be proud of that. I think we'll leave it there. That's a, a, a great way to end this wonderful podcast today. Thank you so much, Johnny, for joining me on the Public Eye podcast. I wish you every success for the future. And you do have to come back whenever you start the buyer's side of the business. And yeah, the future is bright, I think. Thanks very much, Sarah. Thanks for joining me. And uh, also to you listening in today. See you next time. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.